America and California. Wait. Uh, welcome to the Pop and Jay Show. I'm Jay. Jessica. That is. And that guy is Pop. Uh, that's me. Greetings. Uh, apparently, this is the show where we talk about stuff. So, what stuff today, Jess? Hmm. How about something we do all the time, but no one likes to talk about? Uh, no, I told you no bathroom shows. Sorry. Uh, no, we all do this thing even more than that thing. All those thou shalt nots and whatnot. Yeah, that's right. The devil made me do it. Let's get ready for Lent and talk about sin. I wonder how many rosaries I'll have to pray this time. <sighs> the DMV is faster than this. If I die right now, will I go to hell? Does this sin make my soul look fat? There's something in here about the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Oh no, I can almost hear what that person is saying in their confession. Does this priest have a rating on Yelp? Sin. Whoa. And Lent. Uh, We're going to have to explain what that is. Okay. Uh, But I am not sure how we're going to keep this from morphing into a Broncos show. Super Bowl 50 is looming large, mere days away. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Uh, Or a political show, since the Hawkeye Cockeye is going on right now, and there is a uh, very real possibility that crazy Uncle Bernie could be running for president against even crazier King Trump. God help us. (laughs) So we must focus, 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 focus. From winning to sinning, Yeah, here we go. But I can't help but notice, as we record this, the Iowa caucuses are indeed underway, 75% in, and Ted Cruz is leading by about four points, I think. And I just saw that Martin O'Malley, Martin O'Malley, is going to suspend his presidential campaign. All of his voter are going to have to go somewhere else. Oh, that's sad. Poor, yes. poor O'Malley. Wait, who's O'Malley? Uh, nobody cares. I don't know, but it's a big headline. So, yeah. Anyway, huh, about that. So, back to this other thing. Uh, sin, sin, sin. What what the heck is sin and why and what? What does anyone care about it? Um. Well, I've been teaching now for a couple years uh, in our dear California public school system. Uh, and I think about how the kids who are like today I taught second grade and from that age and above I pretty much place it that they know when they're doing something wrong today oh they knew and the basis of sin I think has to be in that the conscience the things that we know we ought not to do that's just the basis though because of course forming your conscience as you grow up is absolutely the essence of becoming a good person or sinning less. Those are equal terms. Better person, sin less. Um, For my part, I try to teach uh, the kids to become better people by punishing them, often and severely. Even savagely? (laughs) Oh, Oh. they just, oh, more. They need some discipline at home. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that's... Certainly another show on its own. Um, It's funny, it occurs to me, the word sin itself. If you just did a definition of doing something against your conscience or something that wasn't, quote, right, 
everyone would just agree. But you use the word sin and it brings this connotation and all of a sudden, you know, everybody's up in arms. You can't say we're sinning. What you said about the conscience is so right on. The Bible itself, and not just the Bible, but from the Bible springs most wisdom. Um, In Romans, St. Paul said, he that acts in bad conscience is sin. And wherever there is bad conscience, there is sin. So he says, if you have a good conscience, then keep it. Follow it. St. Thomas Aquinas, my favorite guy, he always was very fond of saying that when you disobey your own conscience, you are sinning. Even if your conscience is wrong, because your conscience is your link to God. And a misinformed conscience can definitely lead you astray, but most people don't have a misinformed conscience. And that's the the, the natural law. That's the natural law thing that we could argue with the atheists about all day. It doesn't mean that, well, yeah, people don't have misinformed consciences, but that doesn't mean that people don't willingly, constantly confuse their, like, you know, convince themselves that what they're doing isn't wrong. People. Absolutely. And also falling into habitual sins. I feel like habit is a big part of human nature and, uh, I don't know. This is definitely a big topic, but you're right. Sin, I didn't really thought of it, but sin is not a word that you're going to hear when you go, you know, if you get arrested, you know, you're going to hear wrongdoing or whatever, but not sin. Sin, it, it does have that direct link to God. Like, like you doing something against your own conscience, i.e. against God. That's interesting. You don't use the word sin out there in that secular world very often. Although it is sort of common to say things like a sin against nature. Yeah, that's true. But what you said about the habit thing, what did, how many episodes now have we brought up Ralph Waldo Emerson? Oh, yeah, yeah, your favorite. So a, a thought, reap an action. So an act, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. That's exactly right. I mean, mm-hmm. Well, it's so, funny because in this world you have – all the time, my Instagram feed, everything is, you know, people know that you have to work hard to get like a good body. You know, it's all, everything is about health and healthy eating and working out. You have to do the same thing for every part of your life. You know, you got to read a lot of books. If you want to know, if you want to be an expert in something, you have to practice a lot. If you want to be good at something and you have to form your moral conscience, if you want to be a good person, you have to work at it. And that is just like, you don't really get very far on the interwebs trying to spout that kind of thing. <laughs> well, they shun you. <laughs> you know, it's it's so true, by the way. But C.S. Lewis, uh, another huge brain genius, he said that you net what is it? This is a close quote. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but he said, you never really know how bad you are until you try to be good. Oh, yeah. I I love that because it's it's what could be more true than that? Hundred percent. It's easy to to say that you're being good and doing good, but Saint Augustine, you, Lord, make me a saint, but not yet. Oh right, right, and he came. Yeah, he came late in life because he was busy sinning. It's hard. It's hard not to. You know, this world is shiny and right. and easy, and you, that's another thing that I think is undeniable. You will always find always that the sin is the easier way. At first, although I've heard, you know, and read saints and good people that it, it, like anything else, it's a practice, you know, like, like you're 
Emerson quote, you know, eventually, you, you, if you are good enough long enough, I think eventually it will actually be easier to be good. But right. in our basic nature, in fact, C.S. Lewis, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to make sure I mentioned, I think my favorite book on sin is his book, uh, The Screwtape Letters. Oh, that is so magnificent. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. yeah. It's really, if you, if someone may be listening that doesn't know about that great book, um, it's about a sort of like a demon Mm -hmm. talking to another demon about how to tempt and corrupt the human beings against the foe, which is, you know, God and the angels. It's, it's just, it's masterful the way he does it. He understands human nature so incredibly well. Yeah. It's so psychological. Like I would think that a lot of people who are interested in, just he, even just human tendencies towards bad behaviors generally would find it interesting. Although it's undeniable, it's obviously religious, but it is super like thoughtful and complicated. Like we're not talking like basic stuff. It is really getting to the finite, like fine details of what a, a sin is, how, he start, you could see how he just understood so well. And it's the same thing with Augustine's confessions. You see these guys had a very, very deep understanding of how all these things, I mean, we convince ourselves, oh, that's not a big deal, that's not a big deal. It's all, all this stuff works against God, and it is all, there's a lot of sin going on constantly, all the time. That's why I got good old Catholic guilt. <laughs> I love Catholic guilt. Mm-hmm. Boy, do I love it. Um, speaking of that and groups of people feeling a certain way about sin, everyone loves to talk about how society's going to hell and all you have to do is look around to see that that's true. Um, why is it so horrible now? And it, it's, it's not hard. It's not hard to understand. Our, our founders created our system of government and they relied heavily on the civil society concept and, Mm. They knew that unless people were basically religious, in fact, John Adams uh, said our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other because they they saw what happened to every generation, uh, every civilization, I should say, prior to that, prior to us, is they fell into this, this social sort of moral relativism where basically hedonism and everything takes over as soon as the civil society as soon as people stop being moral and yes religious then everything becomes okay and freedom says hey i can do that so i should do that i can therefore i ought to uh, even though we know that's a recipe for disaster 2000 years ago saint paul wrote in galatians he said you were called for freedom, brothers, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for sin. In other words, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And our founders knew that so incredibly well, and that's why John Adams said that. Yep. And, you know, it's, you start to hear uh, during, I always love the uh, beginning parts of candidacies and presidential years and stuff. Very exciting for me. But it's funny because you always hear, it's like the only time you really start to hear about God, he, he finally makes his way back in. And it's, it's nice. It's nice to hear um, 
candidates who are one of them could be the president talking about God. And I, and I'd like to believe that eventually one day we would have a president again who, um, uh, didn't think he was God, but maybe believed in God. I think and, we're about to. Well, we'll see. I, I, uh, I, I, I really like that Galatians. I wish that Galatians verse was like printed on our money and on our foreheads oh, and everywhere. It's so great. It's so great. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, on that, back to the, the topic of society and God and morality um, in a book I know you love. Uh, I have not made it through, but I know a lot of it, a lot about it. And I've uh, really spent a lot of time with parts of it. The Brothers Karamazov. And in the book, one of the characters, Ivan um, Dostoevsky's book, said that if God does not exist, then everything is permitted. So let that soak in. If God does not exist, then everything is permitted. Uh, yeah, like you said, one of my favorite books ever. But truthfully, I have only like comprehended maybe one half of it. It is totally the perfect kind of book to return to, even on a yearly or bi-yearly it is so, so deep and so, so good. But yeah, the youngest brother, uh, Alyosha, is very religious and he's pretty much the only character in the book, you could argue, that does display virtues and selflessness and you love, you. everyone loves him. He is, but your point, you know, the, his point, uh, Ivan's, about God not existing and everything being permitted is it's totally true. And you see it in all the rest of the characters and that they, it's literally, you know, every man for himself and they descend to like a, a primal animalistic kind of behavior. And it's, it is quote unquote human nature. And I think a lot of people, especially in t- as we get more and more and more and more and more secular are like, yeah, so what, you know, it's co- it's, it is what it is. It's funny because you you lose grace and like it's it's not a given that people will see the you know saints and good people and actually turn to them. It's not a given. A lot of the time, people go for you know the populist or the whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's, well, that. The, the real thing that's going on is, is people are being systematically conditioned to ignore their conscience and to just do what they want to do, basically. And if someone in our society, tell me this is not true. If someone says someone else shouldn't do something, then they get labeled as intolerant. Yep. Period. I mean, uh, Tolstoy Leo Tolstoy said, to sin is a human business, to justify sins is a devilish business. And that is exactly what's going on around this, this damn world, especially in our country right now in well, the West. even in the 90s, I think about when I'm growing up and Bill Clinton and all his just, like, endless list of women he cheated on his wife with and some sexually assaulted and accusations of rape and defiling the Oval Office and it was like cool or whatever like totally neat yeah he's so cool he's like so cool and he remained cool for so long 
And I really, I mean, it feels bad right now, but I'm telling you, I know I grew up in a bad time in the 90s, like in a lot of ways. And basically it is it's because of what you said. We have so much freedom and we're just totally misusing it. You know, you've this, the sex and the everything. Like it's funny because you, you know, you're the, the Bible, you see like the, Sodom and Gomorrah and you and you you know all these places with all this rampant debauchery we are exactly the same like there's it's it's um they fall into idols themselves being idols the pleasure being idols and actual idols golden calves and whatnot and throughout history you see it and you just see one society after another just disintegrate from within like abraham lincoln always said you know that the house divided against itself cannot stand and um if if america falls it won't be because some enemy over you know over overcame us it'll be because we did it to ourselves and and we're doing it i mean right now the only sin in our society is if we violate some precept of political correctness if oh yeah there are sins that's for sure like if you yeah, there's, there's, you try and But that's say a perversion wanna... because those aren't really sins. They're the, actually, a lot of times, the opposite of sins. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's funny because people who don't, people who are not religious or specifically not Christian, and people who are statist mentality kind of people anyways, you'll notice that they're always the, they're the ones who say that everything's okay Yet they also have this iron fist with so much of your life. And so you, it's, it's just, anyways, we're probably getting too, I'm probably going too far off, but. No, that's the crux of it. Uh, Here's, here's how like John Paul II, the mighty John Paul, uh, Pope John Paul II, he had a concept that he called the communion of sin. And it basically, what I always thought of it as is uh, social sins, the ones that hurt everyone. Um, When my sins and your sins and everyone else's sins are no longer seen as, quote, sinful, which is where we're at now, then they lose that stigma, which is proper, that used to keep them more of a rarity. So it used to be that people were there was an actual stigma against doing these things. And so it naturally kept it rare in the civil society. But now that's not the case. And so it's dragging down the entire society. And anyway, John Paul called that the communion of sin. And dear Lord, the man was a deep thinker, but has anyone been more on point? Because that's exactly what it is. It's we, we sort of encourage one another through political correctness and through uh, quote tolerance and all of this. We we say, oh no no, that's okay. No one no one can tell anyone else that anything's not okay, and that is a communion of sin. We're like we're helping one another sprint to hell. It happens constantly. I mean, it happens at a bar when you get drunker than you would ever think of because everybody's doing it. You know, when you're in your twenties and it's just like you look like a bunch of idiots. You're you're obviously misbehaving. This is not the right way to be, but everybody's doing it. Or something like, uh, like a big giant, like uh, what is it? What am I thinking of? Like a big giant outdoor drug concert, you know? And everybody's just descended into complete debauch- debauchery. Or 
You think about homosexual behavior. 20 years ago, the idea of same-sex Careful. marriage. Careful. You'll, you'll get us thrown off the podcast airwaves. Yeah, but Hater. how Hater. how Hater. fast has this changed? Like, Hater. even Obama and Clinton both repeatedly asked throughout their careers, are you, "Do you are you in favor of same sex marriage?" No, it was right. n- it to, was not on anybody's radar. To get elected, they said that because they knew that there's still a well, the, overwhelming the, majority of regular people. And it's yeah, but it, what's funny is so there's the communion of sin which I totally agree in. And then there's a lot of time there's somebody or groups of people pushing it, pushing it as far as they can, even more and more. I think about MTV a lot of times, like when I was growing up, pushing condoms on everybody. It was constant. It was a constant barrage. Or yeah. uh, right, like like this, like even Prop 8 here in California passed. We did not want same-sex marriage in California. It doesn't matter. The leftists pushed it, pushed it, pushed. Now it is a complete stigma. You are, you know, socially a freak if you try to defend marriage anymore. And of course, I'm a Catholic, and I'm I'm strongly standing uh, for marriage still. But it's it, they have there's people that I think push that communion of sin. Now, why? Because I think it comes down to misery loves company and. People, you know, you get, you don't want to think that what you're doing is wrong. And the more people that, that join you, you can justify what you're doing. You can say, look. That's, that's exactly right. The communion of sin. Let me ask you this question. You have said rightly that everyone pushes the condom. They push this, they push that. And misery loves company. But just the question, the sort of the $64,000 question here. Does social acceptance of a sin absolve the individual of his responsibility. So in other words, if everyone is the old thing that your mom would say, if, if everyone jumped off the roof, would you do it? If everyone's doing it, does that make it okay? And apparently our society has decided that yes, yes, that does make it okay. And just like you said, Jess, um, if I want to really want to do something and everyone is saying, don't, it's not right, then I'm probably not going to do it. But if everyone's saying, go ahead come in, come in. It's like Pleasure Island or something. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. Peer absolutely. pressure. It starts, so, with, it starts when you're young with peer pressure. I can't even, I can't does. even fathom all the shit I did that I, and why, why do kids like to do that? Because you, you get, it's the devil. The devil is in there all the way from when you're seven years old. That's why the Catholic church rightly acknowledges children at that age need to go to confession because they've already got active devilish tendencies working against them. You know, people unfortunately see in their children sometimes too much purity. I think when it, when you, you also need to see that they, you know, have the ability and off too often do choose wrongly and hold them accountable. So does social acceptance of a moral sin absolve somebody? Well, I don't know. The Catholic church has so, you know, rightly says that, the individual culpability of a person for any sin, you know, they can't, no human can, can figure it's going to come. That's, that's all between us and God, you know, the same sin, two people doing any sin, their culpability, we don't know what it is, you know, everybody. Can you, can you imagine a just and loving, all powerful, all knowing God? 
Can you imagine that God looking at you or me and saying, well, even though you knew it was wrong, you did it because everyone else said it was okay. So no problem. I mean, can can anyone conceive of that situation? No. And that's why, I mean, it's going to be so much more complicated than that. That's why I love, I I always like psychological movies, like really go into the brain, like eternal sunshine of spotless mind is one of mine. And, that's a uh, good movie. Like we talked about Inside Out and there's I I like the the brain and the human person is so complex. Simplifying it, you know, you're going to you're going to know when you meet your maker and it's going to be it's it's going to be hard. And that's why we believe in purgatory too because these sins have to go or else you have to go. Yeah. And so it's I think as Catholics and, you know, we're getting ready for Lent and everything. And it's like, oh, Lent. Oh, gosh. <laughs> got to give up something. I got to do this. I got to be somber, you know. But it's it should really, really become something you look forward to. Because the more we can purify ourselves here, you start to feel ready. It's a, it's just, it's, it's, it's against our human nature in a way. But not, but in another way it's 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 actually embracing your true humanity to to become a better person just like working out just like all this other stuff except even more important and so i think about people like tebow you know who like defy normal behavior for an athlete in so many ways and look at how popular he is people are drawn to it you do want to be good it's just hard it's really hard and uh but it's it's a lot easier it is hard it is hard not that i know because i mean i'm not good or tebow but anyways social acceptance of moral sin absolves somebody i no (laughs) it doesn't it feels like it you know but but god did everybody did it there it feels like it Mm-hmm. That's 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 why everybody's enjoying watching Desperate Housewives, and I'm looking at everybody going, "What are you doing? What are, what are you doing? <laughs> why is that okay? Or why is it okay to read because Fifty Shades you, of Grey?" You nailed it because uh, misery does love company. Straight oh. up, misery loves company. Oh, and I know a great. You example. see something going going down, uh, you know that maybe it's it's one of your vices or something that you know that you're guilty of or whatever and other people are doing it or they're doing worse than you're doing then it suddenly makes you feel better about yourself that's another two schadenfreude or whatever i guess it's a little bit different but yeah i i i noticed that people gossip constantly and it's always been a huge pet peeve of mine because i just hate when people gossip i hate it but you know it hurts so bad when you find out somebody's talking about you it's just it's horrible but i think people do it to make themselves feel better. That person, this and this and that and this and that. And a lot of times it's, it's that, well, they're doing this and that and this. Can you believe that? And it used to be, I think gossip's probably changed a lot over the years. And I imagine in the fifties when people generally lived more, I guess what we would call a moral life, you know, it was more rare to cheat on your spouse in theory and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. that would be the big taboo that you'd gossip about. Can you believe she wore that dress or whatever? But and so you feel better, like you say, like I'm. So, I would never do that. But I think a good example. I so many jobs I've had like this, but I worked in restaurants for a long time, and nor, and even just in school, 
pornography is so rampant and normal among people. And I was always like outspoken and loud and just blah. Like, not like that's so bad, but just like blah. Like, why would you? People have to be reminded of what I know everybody knows from, from a young age that that is just, you're ashamed of it. You're ashamed of it. You should be because it's shameful, you know? There's a reason why if you're a kid and somebody caught you looking at something, you go, oh, it's shameful. It's not something you're supposed to be doing. You know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. And as I've grown up, it's like the way f- for everybody my age to just be okay with everything is that they just share that they all do it. We all do it. But it's funny because right. this one time, this girl who I had, uh, she talked to me about her her husband looking at that stuff and, oh, well, whatever, you know, I don't know. I can't, he's been doing it. For, oh, I'm like, that, that is disgusting and wrong and you should not accept that. And she's like, she never, ever heard anybody say that before, ever. And she was like, and I remember she came up to me at work several days later and she said, thanks a lot, Jessica, because now I'm not okay with it. I know it's wrong and I hate it. And she was so, it, right, you know, understand. And she talked to him about it and now they've moved on and supposedly they're doing pretty good, she says. so. But anyways, it was, wow. she was mad at me. Now I know it's oh, wrong. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And that, my friend, I will tell you, you just hit on, that is exactly why the vast majority of people that, that quote, hate or dislike the Catholic Church is because of what you just said. Because our church stands as a, as a, a reminder that it's not okay to do anything you want. We are going to hold one another accountable in this church. This church is going to continue to speak God's words and God's will. And if you don't like that, then that's why you don't like the church, because it tells you something you don't want to hear. And by the way, that's right back to the old uh, conscience thing that we talked about. When we violate our own conscience, we sin. That's something even atheists would agree with. Thomas Aquinas said, um, God has endowed us with reason and free will and a sense of responsibility. He made us subject to his moral, natural law which is known to us by the dictates of our conscience and our acts must conform with these laws. Otherwise we sin. How simple and straightforward is that? God gave us a roadmap. We know what it feels like and we're supposed to help one another with it. And when we don't (laughs) look at what happens and now look at our society and the communion of sin and all of that. It's Mm -hmm. yeah. Repent, make straight the path. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, what are the causes of sin? And, and uh, permit me my uh, the whole philosophical Dominican examine everything under a microscope. But really, you have to look at it. And once again, back to Gregory the Great and Aquinas and even uh, Bonaventure when they began looking at sin. And by the way, thanks to you, I, I am now officially an expert on sin because you are the one who made me. Uh, do all of that studying and write all of those essays on Oh, yeah. Website. Everybody should check out rightequalsmite.com. Does .com it, still well, take you to it? Or dot... No, it's .com. It's rightequalsmite.com. But um, so anyway, good. one of the so things many good that essays I, on sin. Whew. Well, I did the, the seven deadly sins, or as we call them, little vices, plus a few bonus ones. But uh, the, what really struck me when I first started was Hey, what what the sin thing itself, and what have people said about it in the past and the causes? 
allow me, if you will, to go into my whole philosophical Dominican thing and talk about definitions and causes and whatnot. Um, in researching all of the essays on my website on sin, I, I came across the causes of sin and what people have discovered and thought about it in the past. Aquinas, of course, put it better than anyone. He didn't necessarily come up with everything himself, but he synthesized what a lot of previous thinkers and writers had come up with, including pagans. But basically, there's interior and exterior efficient causes of sin. So the interior causes would be like our <clears throat> our appetites, our animal appetites and all of that. Passion, malice, and ignorance. Yes, ignorance is a cause of sin. The exterior causes are very simple. Satan and man. Other people. Um, the thing we've been talking about, the communion of sin. And you just brought up the devil, uh, rightly so. So... Through mm -hmm. suggestion, temptation, persuasion, bad bad examples. Bad example can definitely lead others into sin and temptation and all of that. So um, those are the two causes, uh, the two efficient causes, interior and exterior. So we either sin because of our own appetites or because someone took us to it, so to speak. Well, yeah, and you, and you can be held accountable for lots of things, uh, as far as the church goes with sin. Uh, I mean, as far as leading people into sin, you know, there's, there's sins of, um, oh, like, like you said, like bad example or, or, uh, oh, geez, what am I trying to think of when you are leading a life that's not appropriate? Like if you were, um, openly, same-sex attracted, living with another person of the same sex, and you re kept receiving communion or going to, you know, churches though nothing was was wrong, you could be leading people into sin and error because they're like, oh, maybe, well, they're... Scandal. Yeah, scandal, that's what I was looking for. So, yeah, the the church, I was going to look it up, the, the church has so much to say about sin, and it's funny because we didn't even talk about... Uh, the the you know mortal versus venial sin and i'm trying to teach these this to my second grade uh ccd kids at church they're getting their first reconciliation this year and this is a big concept for them to understand that they are responsible for things for a, and, and for a lot of adults as well <laughs> mhm mm yeah no doubt and you know so you've got your venial sins these are things that oh there's that funny video i just watched of those <laughs> catholic problems and that girl goes to confession, yeah. and she's all happy. And then she goes to her car, and she drives away, and she's so mad at somebody. And she's like, oh, she has to turn around and go back to confession. <laughs> yeah. So that would be more of a venial sin, just kind of something that happens to you. A mortal sin would be you know it's wrong, and you do it, kind of putting it very simply. You choose to, you choose in full knowledge to violate your conscience. And that's how serious it is. A mortal sin can send you to hell if you, well, you send yourself there if you die in that state. Well, and honestly, for, for the secular, atheist, religious, anyone, that if you do something immoral, uh, if you do what we would call a mortal sin or something, it's an immoral act that, that does nothing except hurt you, hurt your character, hurt your life. So, whether you want to get it from rightly from the 
God watching us and sin and all that, or just what it does to you and what it does to your insides and your and your life in general. Sin is bad. It just it just really is. And in the world around us, it, there's evil every day, like we've been saying. But the good news is that it can't harm us unless it gets inside of us. Like like what did what did Christ say? I, I wish I had the verse in front of me. What did Christ say about uh, nothing? That nothing from the outside can defile you, mm-hmm. only what is inside. Yeah, so so basically, if you fall into this uh, communion of sin and everybody else is doing it so it's okay, then you're rotting yourself from the inside. Uh, you, you, you bought into that. And again, for secularists or atheists or religious people, if everyone's doing and you jump in just because they're doing it, that doesn't make it a right thing. The fact that, that everyone's doing it does not make it right. Well, yeah, and that's the basic, if everybody jumped off a bridge or whatever. Right, yeah, which we already covered. Um, I love this. There's two quotes that I, that real quick, short ones. Plato said, the pagan philosopher Plato said, pleasure is the bait of sin. Very straightforward. We know that. We just talked about that. The interior cause of sin is our appetites and passion. And then Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, uh, a couple thousand years later, said, quote, do not bite at the bait of pleasure until you know what beneath it. You're a little so, choppy, so let me read that again. Do not bite at the bait of pleasure till you know there is no hook beneath it. You don't hear right. politicians talk like that that much anymore. No, but that's basically uh, Jefferson said exactly what Plato said. They both get it. They both understand what causes what. It's a simple cause and effect thing, really. Um, mm-hmm. It's not exactly rocket science, I guess, right? Well, what are the, well, we know. Well, real quick to to just continue for a moment. What we know what the causes of it are. What are the effects of sin? Why is sin bad? Uh, you already said if we're, we're going to go to hell, uh, that's bad moral, mortal sin and we haven't confessed and all that. Or the atheist who doesn't believe that, maybe they're just going to ruin their life. I don't know. Well, I mean, it used to be more obvious that you could, you know, you didn't. Oh, look, the drunkard. Nobody wants to be like that laying in a pile of your own puke. Okay, sin is bad. Or, oh, that man is, you know, he's a cheat or he's a business fraud or he's whatever, whatever. You know, socially, it would even be bad to be sinful. But nowadays, as it becomes more awesome in the world, I guess, you have to wonder, is, is it true... That everything is awesome. Is it everything true? is awesome. Well, I don't know. You know, when I see all these people, especially like lefty people, like when I was for thinking politically, I think a lot of people on the left, the vast majority of them don't go to don't don't really uh, go to mass or don't. I don't think they have very strong spiritual faith. If they could did, I don't know how they could vote for some of the things they do. And in any case, are they happy? Are they actually happy? Are these Hollywood celebrities who can't hold a marriage together no matter what, are they happy? No. The effect of sin, it really is, in the end, 
unhappiness. You know, you, you, it's it's the age-old, timeless tale of, you know, the person who blew all of his money or, or no, I don't know, hoarded all his money or whatever, did everything, lie, cheat, and steal to get money to always have a 20-year-old model, different girlfriends, and but he's not happy. He's not fulfilled. You know that. Like, if you're, you know, a good writer knows that. That at least that's that's how it's always been. But like you said, even people who who write stories, which I believe are how you change the world, they try to distort that these days too. If you see the way that a lot of Hollywood films are, who's glorified anymore as a hero? But deep down, I think look to children and and good good film, you know, children's films are what I care about or what I'm passionate about. And you know, sin brings bad things. You know, always in every every Disney movie, you've got it. You've got you know, and then there's a whole list that we we could rattle off. But realistically, I I remember writing in my my overview essays in uh, physical maladies, mental anguish, inclination toward future sin, the habit thing, right? Hardening of the will, like the Bible talks about hardening your heart and hardening your will. And if you so believe, punishments inflicted after death. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, uh, first and foremost, the effect of sin on us is to pull us away from our true end, our last end. What is our our final cause, our, our true last end? Well, I, I believe it's God. But even if, if you don't believe that, you still would like to think of it as being to be a good person. But... I believe that it deprives us of, it pulls us away from God and therefore it deprives our souls of his grace. Well, and that's uh, always it, the most interesting topic to me, objective morality without God, atheists, why, why be good? It's true. Why? It, it is true. We're, we're, it's a, a habitual aversion to God. Because the more we sin, the more ashamed we are, the more our conscience is pinging us, the more we try to numb our conscience and join the communion of sin because holy cow, that conscience thing hurts. It hurts. Oh, trust me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I feel it. I, you know, Ben Ben Franklin said, Ben Franklin said, sin is not hurtful because it is forbidden, but it is forbidden because it is hurtful. And that is sort of the, the simple thing that people nowadays don't, don't get. They, they say, Oh, you're intolerant for calling something sin. You're hurting people. No, no, no. The sin is hurtful, and that's why it should be for, forbidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Oh, yes. And we are in the year of mercy, after all. Come on. Have some mercy, Pop. Lord, have mercy. Oh, yeah. What's that old... Oh, never mind. I'm not going to go there. That's politically incorrect. And on a night like... <laughs> wow, you just censored yourself. Good job. I did. I did. And my conscience is clear on it. It, it. it definitely is. So the the seven deadly sins, as they call them, or as maybe we think of them as the capital vices. Oh, let's see if I remember them. Go ahead. Uh, I used to have a mental map, thanks to that awesome Kevin Vos book. He did a book called Memorize of Faith, yeah. and I had them so well. But now... I let's see, avarice, gluttony, sloth, uh, envy, 
Is that one? Yeah. Uh, Avarice, Gluttony, Sloth, Envy. I don't know. I'm I'm tired. Just go. I know them. I just It's a little confusing because there's actually, like, there'd be like 12 of them if you really laid it all out. Because we have Vainglory, which is of the Tree of Pride. We have Envy, which is Tree of Jealousy. We have Gluttony. We have Lust. We have Sloth. We have covetousness, which right, is right. of the tree of greed and avarice, and we have wrath, which is of the tree of anger. And, That's right. And so, like in those essays that I wrote, I tried to really clarify because vainglory is a different thing than pride. It's a subshoot. And by the way, pride, uh, of course, is the queen mother of all sins. It is the one from which all sin fountains spring forward. The greatest sentence of all time pride goeth before the fall it is and the first prince if if pride is the queen mother then vainglory is the first prince um anger wrath is the writer of wrongs gluttony is uh you know a plate too far sloth is the nothing vice i love talking about sloth because it's not always what people think um man i just hope if people have haven't read my essay they would read them because a lot of uh, a lot of it's it's not my brain. A lot of it is, you know, synthesizing really smart people. Well, and, um, and uh, sloth, speaking of this to- topic, I mean, you can be slothful by not well, forming your conscience. Busy. You can also be slothful by being very busy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we're, we're making ourselves very busy avoiding what we should be doing and doing something else. And that, that is sloth. Mm-hmm. Um, envy is the vice devoid of pleasure. It's it's the only one of all of these vices that that we don't really get anything out of. Um, lust is the tyrant because it takes over everything, and then covetousness is the treasure hunter. So there's there's so much to think about and talk about with all the different ways that sin manifests itself. But we more today because I'm sure. Yeah, we're welcome on this topic, or almost. Well, yeah, so next Wednesday, um, Wednesday, what is it? What will it be? February 10th is the beginning, yes. beginning of Lent, Ash Wednesday. Uh, thus begins the Catholic's journey uh, toward Easter, well, towards Good Friday and Easter, a time of reflection and fasting and prayerfulness. And fasting can also be, you know, Hopefully it involves uh, doing things for other people sometimes, you know, like Obama would be so proud. He would be. Um, so, yeah, so that, that that's coming up, and that I think this was a good topic for that. Uh, if you take away anything, I would say read Screwtape Letters, read the Brothers Karamazov, and read the essays at writeequalsmind.com. Jess, that is a lot of reading, and could you please put it in the opposite order from you just said right equals my dot com brothers karamasov no I, your screw tape letters has to be read by everybody it's short and sweet it is it is not long That's and true. it affects you i really think it affected me like more than so many books i don't know what it is it was just so true. everyone who's read it has feels the same way exactly the same way what you just said because you will see yourself in there if you don't you're dead inside and you, you just realize the extreme nuance of sin, and you're like, 
of course it's nuanced. Of course it's not so... Even when we talk about going to hell, that's not even the right way to say it. You separate yourself from God, that is hell. It's, you don't get thrown into some place. It's nothing like that. You remove It's voluntary. Yourself. Yeah, you you choose. Sadly, you, you choose... Anyways, so... What do good. we say What do we say in Mass uh, near the beginning of usually uh, one, of, one of the things as a group... Through my fault, through my fault, through my most yeah, grievous fault. Yeah, I confess. We say this out loud in in a Catholic mass. Uh, we all say it together, of free will. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Mm-hmm. That. That is just laying bare your soul before God and your fellow Christians and saying, yes, I'm falling short. And then how do we finish it? We say, and therefore I ask the Blessed Mother and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. It, that, that's one of the most beautiful, short little things. Every week we get to do that. And if you mean it, it's such a beautiful thing. It feels so good to say that and mean it. You know, it, it gives con- context to the church militant, which is what we call the church yeah. here, as opposed to the church triumphant, which is the communion of saints in heaven. So you feel that, you know, military or communal feeling in mass. You just, you know, you, it's funny because Adam, my husband, is a convert and at the beginning, he those rote prayers or the the prayers that we say all together kind of weirded him out. But it is so I have seen such a change in him over the years, and even yesterday we were arguing a little bit before mass, and you just it goes away. You you become humbled. You know you we've got Jesus up there on the cross. You see him. You know I I've been teaching our kid my kids at uh, CCD about how different it is to be Catholic. We don't have just two lines up there. We've got, there's a, there's a person, God, up there on those two lines, that cross. That is what we don't forget. And it was so cute. We were reading through the, um, this is getting off in a little bit, but we were reading through the Mysteries of the Rosaries, what they were to these second graders. And I did, it was a brief synopsis of each one. And when we got, to, you know, when the Sorrowful Mysteries are hard for these little guys. And when we got to the crucifixion, you know, I told him we, we never forget. And I see this beautiful little girl, she, she looks at her, she's looking at her paper and she says, we never forget. And that's the truth. If you are, you know, if you are a Christian and you're, you have a proclivity to sin like we all do, you got to keep trying for him. Cause look what he did for you and for me and for all of us. Um, all because of our sin. That's what put him up there. And he'd do it again, and he'd do it even if it was just you in the world. So, that that is the truth of it all. It really is. And a selfish, self-centered, atheistic person uh, would not agree with you. But maybe if they're in it for their own good, they might just agree that doing good for good's sake does make you feel better, and following your conscience. And if you listen to it, I just I sent you today. I don't know. If you watched it, but a short little five-minute video of Dr. Peter Kraft talking about where good and evil come from, and it, it's 
so it's one if you want to look it up on YouTube, uh, it's from Prager University. Where do good and evil where do good and evil come from? And it's 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 pretty much what we've been talking about. It's uh, the the natural law that God's instilled in all of us, and how people can just instinctively know when something is right or wrong, what you ought to do. And so I would say that's the crux of it right there. Understanding that your conscience should lead you, form your conscience well. And like we always like you always say, keep moving forward. Try to be better. Just try. You know, that whole knock and keep knocking, that's it for everything. Try. Just like you should try to exercise more and you should try to read more books. And the most important thing of all is that you should try to improve yourself as a human being. It should be a goal of yours. It shouldn't always be pleasure-seeking. The, the Well, again, to close, since we're getting to the end here, um, back to the Galatians. <clears throat> By the way, it was chapter 5, verse 13. <clears throat> for you were called for freedom, brothers. Do not use this freedom as an opportunity for sin. Uh, in other words, you need to do what you ought to do, not what you can do. Well, with great power comes great responsibility. We quote that a lot. And what greater power is there than free will? And John Adams' quote that I mentioned earlier about uh, a moral and religious people, um, giving, I think in my essay on sin, I said something like giving freedom to people without a strong moral code is the societal equivalent of giving a machine gun to a monkey because that's, that's what it looks like. It, and by the way, there's videos on YouTube. I've seen monkeys them. with machine guns. Monkeys with machine guns. I've seen Ted Cruz with a machine gun. He cooked bacon with it. Yeah. And he won Iowa. And, he and by the, the way, bacon. Hillary and Bernie Sanders too close to call. Oh, 50, 50, 50. What the hell? <laughs> So we're either going to get a social, a seventy-year-old socialist, or a seventy-year-old socialist who admits being a socialist. One of the two. Ugh. Anyway, um, on we go. I think I think we've wrung all the water out of this one. What, what say you? What say you? Um, I like it. I think I think it went well, and I'm really going to try and get myself in a good attitude for Lent. Gosh, it feels like Christmas just left, but yeah, okay. On to Easter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just remember, uh, sin is an insult to God. It's horrible to your fellow person, horrible to you. So don't be part of the communion of sinners. Be part of the communion of saints. Yes. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of God? Just think about it and try your best not to sin. Easier said than done. Easier. And so, yes, go. As Jesse said that I say, I'll say it. Please go and keep moving forward, doing what you ought to do. Amen. God bless America. Amen. But I keep living this day like the next will never come. Oh, help me, but don't tell me to deny it. I gotta cleanse my